Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello. We are on episode, what is this, 12? 11. 11, almost at a dozen, but you know what? Double digits, baby. 21, 11, all the ones, you are number one. We are number one. 21? What? 2021. Oh. I was thinking oh, oh, oh. ones. There's a theme. Okay. Uh, all the ones. Oh my god, we should have that song. One is the loneliest number that you ever knew. <laughs> or more like, one is the cheeriest number that you ever felt like. Woohoo! It's a work in yeah, progress. We'll work on, yeah, we'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be positive here in the new year. New year, new episode. New coronavirus variant. Oh god. Uh, Probably. That's why we have to be positive. Uh, except I mean, for not, not that kind of positive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have sufficiently dug this hole large enough to bury ourselves in. So, well, Avery, I don't know if you recall, last time we talked about some slang and we got into all these uh, hip words that kids are going to be remembering, that everyone's going to be remembering. It was so lit. Yeah, we didn't. What was it? Clipped? No. We clipped out? Clicked out? Clipped. I don't know. I don't even remember them. See, that list wasn't very good. But you know what phrase people are going to remember this year? Just the tits. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> Best phrase ever. Yeah, ma'am. So we asked our, okay, here we go. It's going to be painful. Our lit, libaceous, liturgical listeners. Lascivious. Lip-licking listeners <laughs> that <laughs> to give us an urban dictionary definition for the phrase just the tits. Now, for reference, for those of you who don't know what Urban Dictionary is, it was started, I think, in the 90s in response to Dictionary.com. And it was like a spoof parody site where people could put slang words. You could even make up your own, write the definition, and then people could search for those terms. It's become very important in many people's upbringings nowadays. <laughs> and uh, we thought that we would have you guys get creative. So here we go. Dave Gentile said... Just the tits means mashing your tits together and then penetrating a dude with just the nipples. <laughs> <laughs> it's what it makes okay. me picture for better or for worse. Yeah, that's a worse. That's a worse agent deal. That is, it is definitely um, a visual. Yeah. Kevin wrote, it's what models ask for at the spray on tanning salon when they know it's just their top half in the frame. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Avery's cousin Rachel said, a buxom woman missing her limbs. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Damn. Matt said just the tits is a successful first date. <laughs> that's Mwah. fair. That's fair. Is that a first base situation? All top bases. Or is it... <laughs> I didn't know there were top and bottom bases in baseball. It's a northern hemisphere base. <laughs> ah, I see. Um, Buddy the Elf wrote the best part. And I just imagine Buddy the Elf looking at tits and being oh, like God. the best part. And then oh. jumping on the Christmas tree. Exactly. Jennifer Garner. Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Jennifer Garner for gracing us with her presence on this questionnaire. Heart. Uh, Jennifer Garner wrote what Stephanie thinks she is, but she totally isn't, because she's a delusional slut in capital letters. Yikes. Screw you, Stephanie Morrison. Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. All of eighth grade hates you. Five exclamation points. Oh, man. I thought I was the only one who hated middle school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, dude. Well, thank you for being so honest with us, Jen Jen. Yeah. Now we know something. Celebrities, they're just like us. 
Anonymous told us that just the tits means what guys say when they're thirsty for pics, but you're playing hardball. That's fair. 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 Um, Harry Potter wrote, just the tits is when you know, you know. <laughs> I feel like that's code. <laughs> I know. And you know what the worst part is? I don't know. So like... <laughs> This is our podcast, and yet I'm a little lost, but okay. Um, John Servia wrote, when a person's most idolized physical trait exists in the chestic... Oh, sorry. Chestular. I was going to say chesticular. <laughs> We're just switching up body parts here. <laughs> the chestular area, similar to butterface for the facular area. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, all right. Alias wrote allowing someone to get to second base with full intention of going way past second base. So second and a half base. 2.5. <laughs> uh, Karen fucking Moy, that's who, wrote just the tits is when Christian people want to stay Christian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that literal interpretation. Yep. Uh, Miro wrote, it's the heart of things, the essence, e.g. people felt they knew her as well as their own families because when she told stories of her life, they were just the tits. Oh, I really wow. like that. Okay. It's very like cerebral and abstract. Which is not what this podcast is. So like <laughs> shout out to Mira for really taking us up a notch. <laughs> oh man, you upgraded us. <laughs> yeah, now I feel a lot of pressure to, you know talk like this and be very philosophical in our discussions and use cerebral every other sentence <laughs> yeah no laughing at anything anonymous mom said i'm lacking in urban dictionary knowledge yeah that tracks for an anonymous mom <laughs> just aurelio said when you want to suck a titty but not like devour in all caps <laughs> it so just the tips so all right y'all need to visualize this so we're spelling it t-i parentheses p parentheses ts so just it's a, a good play on words there yeah <laughs> the yeah, tippy yeah, tits yeah. the tip of the tits the tip of the tits to you <laughs> there's our cerebral eyebrow content <laughs> tip of the tits to you my laddie <laughs> also like the capitalizing of devour i was like this is really aggressive all right here we go mid-sentence uh, yeah <laughs> oh wow Oof. i just got chills also, <laughs> good chills or bad chills medium level chills 2.5 <laughs> Second base, but a little more chills. <laughs> all right, all right. Then we got double GTFO again. Shout out, love the name. Uh, I'm not clever enough to think something up for this one. Well, you just lost that shout out, double GTFO, but it's okay. It's all right, no pressure. Wow, <laughs> our first scold. <laughs> our first demerit. And um, Natalie H said, when you only want the best tips, not amateur hour. Oh. So are we the, the amateur tips. hour or are we the, the best ones? I'm We're confused. the pinnacle of tips. Tip of the tips. <laughs> All right, my dude. So <laughs> tell me. Okay, coach Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my dudes. <laughs> Make thick in the warm. Uh, very on track for this episode. As I'm saying, we are going to talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about, Let's talk you, about and you and me. And me. Let's talk about all the good things. I don't know the rest of the words. Anyway, let's talk about sex. In that very nasally tone of ours. Totes. All right. So you did some deep digging. You really like sacrificed your well-being to look up some stuff on Urban Dictionary. 
It's a visual for the mind, for sure. I mean, that's where visual things happen. <laughs> yep. So as I'm sure everybody's aware, um, the song by Harry Styles came out, Watermelon Sugar. Mm, yeah, what does that mean? Well, what do you think it means? <laughs> so apparently it can mean a variety of things. It could mean, and this is vulgar, and I hate saying some of these things, but I'm going to say them for the sake of the show. For, for um, the sake of journalism. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> The people need to know. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sacrificing my sensibilities. Uh-huh. And if you've seen the music video, it's <clears throat> pretty suggestive. But it can mean eating pussy, eating ass, male cum, female cum, cocaine, heroin, marijuana, or mushrooms. Wait, what? This is all according to UD. But also, the name originated in southern Georgia in the late 90s. And it's, um, it's a type of street heroin. And I already mentioned heroin, but it's famous for this initial fruity taste when originally placed under one's gums. Uh, Oh, God. It was coined by Richard Browdigan in 1968. It was part of the title of his book, In Watermelon Sugar, and it was used as a motif throughout the book. Okay, so, but the Urban Dictionary definition literally is like all encompassing of anything. I could say watermelon sugar and be talking about heroin and you could be saying watermelon sugar talking about eating ass and those are very different experiences. <laughs> well, I guess you could do them both at the same time. I mean, yeah, but like, damn, Harry Styles, figure your shit out. Oh my God. Well, I mean, that's art for you, right? It's all open to interpretation. Sure. Okay, this next one is probably my favorite, but it kept popping up. I think Urban Dictionary is really trying to push this concept. <laughs> it was the January 15th word of the day. And I'm just going to smell, smell it. <laughs> I'm going to smell it for you. I'm just going to spell it for you. And then you get to decide how to pronounce it. N-U-S-S-Y. <laughs> I assume it rhymes with the other word that spelled with those four <laughs> last letters. No? So. Nussy. Nussy is the nose pussy because it's derived from the nose swab test done to check for COVID. So apparently people were getting their nose swabbed for COVID. And like, I don't know if you had one, but the first ones, and maybe they're still happening, they kind of shove uh, a swab all the way back into your brain, it feels like, like, you know, something that mummies would have had done to them. Um, and apparently that got some people off. Okay, but doesn't the word nostril exist for the purpose of describing that area? Yeah, but because it's pleasurable in this ah. case. It's like sexually related. So it's a nussy. Okay. I'm going to say nussy because that just sounds better. <laughs> no, but then it sounds like noose. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of goose. I was like, goosey noosey. <laughs> oh, oh. But that also <laughs> rhymes with a noose. So yeah, no. Yes. All right, never mind. We'll go with nussy. But that like, ugh. Well, the concept in general is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. So obviously, you know, this is kind of a throwback or a callback to our, our last episode. Call it back. Slang call it back. terms. But yeah, there's so many words out there for genitalia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's budgie's tongue, which means a woman's clit. Okay, I can get that There's imagery. There's cooter, spelled C-O-U-T-E-R, or Q-O-O-T-E-R, <laughs> for penis. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it together. You can do it. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm going to say Shane Cobra or Shana Cobra. 
which means man with a large penis. Uh, it, could, it could also be a sexual position involving a male's gender to wrap around his partner's leg. Excuse me? Oh, usually done among homosexual couples. But like, around, like fully around? Like how around are we talking? What the I hell? I mean, it's, it's got to be large enough to do it. The other word for penis, which is really making me laugh, is spunk trumpet. <laughs> Wait, but that's actually not penis. Sorry. It's uh, when a lady is filleting a lucky gent, just as he thunders past the vinegar strokes and he comes into her mouth, the puffing out of her cheeks at the point of no return is reminiscent of her playing the spunk trumpet. Oh, God, that was a very vivid description. Yes. Did it say vinegary strokes? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. There is a link, but I'm, <laughs> I'm hesitant to go down that road. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a rabbit hole that I don't know if you want to fall into. Right. And if you if you don't care for that imagery, then you might be in line or you may agree with Vincent Makalik or Vincent Masalik, a person or thing who hates the sound, smell or taste of a penis and will ban anyone who uses it. <laughs> who uses their penis? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, God. I'm not going to read this, but it is a funny description. Uh, so now you have to read it. That's what the law of podcasting long. says. It's really long. You can't talk about it on the podcast and then not talk about it. All right. So we learned about some other terms for vagina. In Sweden, apparently there's a there's something called a fitta, and it's short for nice shot. Also, it means the center part of a woman, moist and seductive, sometimes aggressive, attention-seeking, and pluggable. It is used for fun and exercise. When used, it must be washed afterwards. The appearance varies a lot, but usually it is enjoyable to watch a fitta perform its act. The sole purpose for the fitta is to squeeze and to squeeze good. A fitta can never squeeze too much. However, some fittas squeeze too little, making a big disappointment to the user of the fitta. The user what? is then recommended to leave quietly. The goal <laughs> for the fitta is to envelop things so it can be scary at times. If you see a fitta, do not be afraid. Approach it with care and try to offer to comfort it as it likes that very much. To comfort <laughs> it. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a future Urban Dictionary entry writer? Oh, man. That sounded like an advertisement for a robotic vagina literally yeah see that was fun that was worth the long read <laughs> anytime you need i'm here to interpret your urban dictionary Woo. queries so uh listen urban dictionary is very educational as we have just discovered but it wasn't super popular i don't think when we were younger so we weren't able to learn about things like fittas or <laughs> spunk trumpets <laughs> <laughs> or budgie's tongue <laughs> so I'll ask you, since you are a few turns around the sun older than me, what was it like back then? How did you find out about all of these things that Urban Dictionary has helped us with today? <laughs> well, like I think most people who have parents or some kind of caregivers, usually it falls to them because of lack of actual or accurate or helpful information in schools mm -hmm. so i learned that sex is more natural than drugs or alcohol and if i do it i should use a rubber okay so this is from both my parents okay separate times we never had a sit down chat okay but i got the abstract and the concrete all mashed together but not much <laughs> in between <laughs> So while I didn't really receive too much in the way of, uh, you know, intimate or emotional information from them, 
I fulfilled that by reading romance novels. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I was doing that at the time. I honestly didn't. But what happened was I got this very unrealistic kind of, I developed an unrealistic perception of sex and romance and relationships. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I was this very shy girl who didn't really trust boys. I mean, at one point I I was like afraid of them and at other points I was frustrated or mad Mm -hmm. at them. And so to read these stories where the male characters, and it was it was all heterosexual relationships, to read these characters, they were strong and they like knew what their women needed and they just addressed them in the moment. And I was like, oh, this is what men do. Okay. And so like I approached relationships thinking, well, you can read my mind. You know what I need. Exactly. I don't need to tell you. Exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, oops. Oh, what? <laughs> Uh, to say it was disastrous and detrimental is an understatement, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's taken years <laughs> to undo that. But I will say, I, I do appreciate romance novels. Uh, yeah, but it is tricky for a little child to <laughs> be interpreting that and, like, separating the two. Yeah. Anyway, what did you learn God. and how? I don't think my parents ever had, like, a straight-out conversation with me, abstract or concrete. Like, <laughs> fuh. Nada. Yikes. I read the dictionary a lot. I would like yeah. hear words. I remember in fourth grade, a couple of us like hid in the corner of a classroom looking up like dirty words in the dictionary. And specifically <laughs> the word, I remember the word fuck was the act of animals copulating, something like that, like something super scientific. And I was like, oh, what? like, why would people use that as a bad word? That what? I don't understand. <laughs> it's farm life. Right. And so, you know, just like these very textbook dictionary definitions of things, nothing really about the like emotional side of what sex and gender is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did a lot of like self-exploration, did like hijinks and stuff like at the end of high school. And it was only when my parents found out that I had been sexually active that they then had to confront it and talk to me about it. So, okay. My parents had found out that I was sexually active. They were not pleased. They told me to go stay with my grandma. They were like, don't come home. They were like, it's better if you just stay with your grandma for a few days. So I like took the dog, went to stay with my grandma. I was also under house arrest at my grandma's. Oh, shit. Yeah. So and then I left for college like less than a week after that. And so in the car, my dad's like driving white knuckle, not speaking. And my mom's just trying to like, I don't even remember what she told me. It was very like blase. And then I got to college and like because of not having a good basis of anything, I did even more hijinks that I'm like, hmm, whale. (laughs) Yeah. And like in school too, it was never really, I mean, we had like sex ed starting in fifth grade, I think in elementary school. Mm -hmm. So we were like 10 years old and we learned about the reproductive system, but nothing about like relationships or like consent or any of that stuff. And then in high school, I vaguely remember a condom somewhere. (laughs) Like in not, okay. All right. All right. Hold on. (laughs) In, I was walking to school and I saw one. <laughs> in the context of sexual education. However, I did take it upon myself. I was part of this group that the Red Cross in my area did to teach kids about HIV and AIDS. We were still teaching people that like sharing a toilet seat won't pass HIV. Using a phone won't pass. Like these things that you think are so logical mm. and also in a community that's very wealthy, very well educated. And we still had people being like, but... But what if a drop of my blood mixes with someone else? Like the mm. chances of that happening are so low. Mm. Just crazy to me. So, I mean, imagine if those are the misconceptions about HIV. Imagine the amount of misconceptions we had as teenagers about sex. Yeah, it's scary. Oh, there was. Sorry. There was one time that I got. Band a- camp. <laughs> 
orchestra cam didn't get that wild all right that movie was very very wrong um oh no it was unrealistically represented absolutely well i mean i don't know maybe the band geeks were like that but in orchestra we were much tamer (laughs) i like that there are divisions (laughs) yeah dude duh So actually, the one time I do remember uh, my mom trying to take it seriously. So I had gotten like this mega hickey, obscenely large hickey on my neck. And I tried to pass it off that I'd burn my hair straightening it, which I mean, I never straightened my hair. I didn't have a straightener. <laughs> I was like, oh, we straightened it at my friend's house and I burned myself. Like, what? And I just, my mom said something, but I don't remember the whole thing. I just remember one of the things she said was like, your body is not a toy for somebody else. And I was like, oh, see, if you had just like expanded on that and like told me more and like, you know, sat me down and had like a conversation about it, that probably would have been good. But no, it was I like just that, like, though. I mean, yeah, it's like a good start. Right. But right. Because it implies that like elaboration. toys are a passive thing. Right. Like mm-hmm. toys exist for the pleasure of the person u- using the toy. But mm-hmm. that's not what sex and relationships should be about unless that's mm-hmm. your thing. But I mean, a healthy relationship doesn't involve that it's not a passive right, thing right you still need like safe words sure yes <laughs> what's your safe word cabbage <laughs> well now y'all know if you hear avery say cabbage <laughs> you've taken it too far <laughs> i don't think things have really changed in terms of sexual education in the usa uh from when we were in school which is really sad it's mortifying. Let's be real. It's 20 fucking 21. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. And for US to still be the leading country in STI and teen pregnancy is a little shocking to me. Like I was like, really? No. We're still number one? That's not a good number one. Back to our theme about being number one. Sometimes yeah. not always. <laughs> yeah. One is the most embarrassing number that you ever knew. So I looked at, I looked at a lot of different things. So this article is from 2018, talking about how sex ed is different in the Netherlands versus in the United States. 24 states and the District of Columbia mandated sex ed. So that means that 26 states don't mandate sex ed in schools. So half of our students are not getting sex ed, which just that alone is like, what the actual fuck are we doing? Yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah, and then from another article, but I'll tie it in. Only nine of those 24 states and the District of Columbia require that there's LGBTQ inclusivity. So mm. nine of 50 states talk to kids about LGBTQ issues. So I cannot imagine what it is like to grow up in a state where one, you have sex ed, but it's awful because it's always at the discretion of the state and then the local school board. And then to not only have shitty sex ed, but then to have shitty sex ed that doesn't include your preferences or how you identify. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck? Right. And of those 24 states and DC, only 13 require that it is medically accurate teaching. Which I'm like, <laughs> what does that even mean? The P goes into the V. All right, we're done. <laughs> thick in the warm (laughs) (laughs) it's basically yeah it's employing coach steve exactly it's like take coach steve Mm. put him in a classroom give him a condom and a banana he's gonna eat both of them and then (laughs) that's sex ed and then explode later and say oh i guess that was a happy time exactly yeah so that's pretty bad 34 states of the 50 states mandate hiv education which is very interesting because i'm like why are there 10 more states that mandate hiv education but not sex ed 
Because of the epidemic, maybe. Okay, but like teen pregnancy is also a fucking epidemic and like what? Not according to Christians or other Orthodox religious Well, folks. when they're out of wedlock, I mean, yeah, it is. It's still a blessing. Mm-hmm. But also, how do you teach HIV education without talking about sex? Like you have to, you have to talk about sex if you're talking about HIV. So I'm just like, what? Right. And so maybe they're thinking as well, we're teaching this. It will include elements of sex. Therefore, we are covering our bases. Yeah, I mean... If they're thinking about it at all. And like, okay, so in a 2014 study done by the CDC, they found that less than half of the high schools in these states were covering the 16 essential topics recommended by the CDC to have comprehensive sexual education programs. But so less than half of these high schools and less than one-fifth of middle schools were covering these 16 topics. So like, what the hell? There's no basis for like comprehensive sexual education, which needs to start literally in the Netherlands. They start in kindergarten, but they don't frame it in like a sex thing. They talk about sexuality and they talk Mm. about love and relationships. So Mm. what can you do if you love someone? How do you show someone that you love someone? How do you show someone you respect someone? What if someone tells you stop? What if they tell you that they're uncomfortable? What if they don't say anything, but their body looks like they're uncomfortable? All of these things that is basic. You can even remove the sexual romance from it and talk about it with your friends. Like your friend says, no, I don't like when you hug me. Okay. Do we listen to our friend or do we just keep hugging them? You know, Mm -hmm. and these are all things like I do this with my kids all the time. Like if they're playing and someone says stop, I say, that's it. They said, stop. That's it. No more. I don't care that they were laughing when they said stop. If they say stop, then you know that the game is done. And then I tell the kid who's saying stop. I'm like, if you wanted to keep going, you need to use a different word. Because if you say mm-hmm. stop in this classroom, we don't keep going. Right. Words don't matter. Exactly. Otherwise, it loses its meaning and it becomes code for something else. Right. They also, starting in kindergarten, they talk about sexual diversity and assertiveness, which has to do with being your own advocate, knowing your boundaries, all of that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, the Netherlands is doing it right. And they <laughs> found that the way that they were able to quantify that is that Most teens in the Netherlands do not have sex earlier than other European countries. So it's not that this is making them more, quote unquote, promiscuous, as many people think. And they say that their first sexual experience was wanted. So both parties desired it and that it was fun. So that compared to in the U.S. where 66% of American teens said they wish they had waited longer to have sex. Like how many? 66%. And nine out of 10 teens in the Netherlands use contraceptives the first times. And their adolescents are the top users of birth controls. Teen pregnancy in the Netherlands is one of the lowest in the world, making it five times lower than the USA. HIV infection and sexually transmitted diseases are also low. So all of these things, just for me reading these statistics, the correlation between education and transmission and teen pregnancy, it's so clear. Like the more you educate your community, the less you are going to have transmission of STIs, the less you're going to have transmission of HIV, the less you're going to have teen pregnancy. So it's just appalling to me that in the U.S. we're still fighting this. And I think overall general well-being, too, is something that isn't easily quantified, obviously, and it gets a bad rap as being kind of foo-foo and Mm hippie-like, right? But I think that plays a large part in a society, too, when it comes to sex and relationships and body image. Yeah. The fact that you can be comfortable in knowing what you like and knowing what you want and then also transferring that to your partner right and respecting them so 87 percent of schools that teach sex ed teach that abstinence is the most effective safe sex practice 
Woo woo! And I'm Christian like, forever. How'd that Jesus work out take for y'all? The wheel. So I just want to leave with the the three R's that this group in the U.S. has come up with. It's from a sex ed curriculum in the U.S. by Advocates for Youth. They're trying to get a comprehensive, inclusive sex education that's honest. The three R's are rights, respect, and responsibility. And they've got a whole curriculum on Google Classroom. You can go on their website to get like previews of stuff. The website is three, the number, three rs.org. Righteous. Before you talk about porn, do we want to talk about how other people, our lovely listeners, learned about the nasty? <laughs> Let me stop you right there, Avery. We'll get to your porn, but... <laughs> no, because yeah. they, I mean, a lot of them have talked about porn. So there is a tie-in. Someone said late night public access porn, which I didn't realize was a thing. Ooh, Sounds educational. The Robin Bird Show. Fairly accurate for low-budget porn. Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, someone said, porn, it was not incorrect, but made me overambitious. Someone said, from nature films, those lions were never just hugging. <laughs> someone said, learned in elementary school, and the information at the time was uninteresting. Yeah, fair. Yeah. It's hard in elementary school to think about that. Someone said, learned at five from my dad. He gave me every little detail. Figured I should learn everything at a young age. And it got me in trouble in elementary school a number of times. <laughs> That's very Dutch of his dad to do that. Yeah. I mean, we all had that friend in elementary school that was like, hey, I just learned about sex. <laughs> and you're like, oh my yeah. God, what? Yeah, I was always scared of those people. Like, how do you know this? <laughs> Tell me your ways. But also, no, don't. I'm scared. <laughs> They're like, let me show you, wink, wink. Oh, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> I think there was also a part of me who was like very comfortable in my ignorance. Because right. I don't know. I think at a certain point, like kids should be somewhat ignorant of the yeah they don't gross. you can they can open the door a Realities. little bit but they don't need to like fling it open uh, we don't need to be slapping meats just that early at age oh, god don't need to take the spunk trumpet out of the case just yet <laughs> <laughs> all right so jennifer garner shout out to jennifer garner said that uh at age three they learned from a book about where babies come from to be fair it was completely accurate anatomically the whole quote when a man and woman love each other very much bit was less so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, not even kidding. My cousin took me into her closet and told me I was 12. She was bang on. All right. Well. Hopefully she wasn't banging you, but yes. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh, okay. Um, I first saw, quote unquote, graphic sex scenes in the presence of my parents while watching Ooh. Titanic as a kid. Yeah. My oh, mom never let yeah. me watch Titanic. Mm -mm -mm. Oh, my God. That movie, though, that was, I think, my the introduction to, like, softcore porn for me. And my obsession with, you know, shows like Bridgerton or Outlander, which Outlander was really dumb, but I did watch it <laughs> for the sex scenes. I am not ashamed to admit that. Um, <laughs> around This person continues to say around age eight or nine, and it was way too hot and steamy and steamier than any sex I've had. And then they put that like slash smiley face where it's like, meh. <laughs> That's true, though. I mean, if you live to create that, like, sliding sweaty hand, I don't know, you might be disappointed. Yeah, unrealistic expectations. <laughs> Porn. All right. Uh, somebody else said, I learned in school around fifth grade. It was more so medical information and correct terms. I did most of my own research with porn around 12. Yeah. Mm. Uh, ninth grade sex ed info was technically correct. The best kind of correct. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I learned about the bases from my more experienced best friend in eighth grade. I was a late bloomer. What? Eighth grade? I was still like not at all doing any of that. Uh, oh, I still hated boys in eighth grade. 
I learned about sex, though, in second grade when my older brother learned about it in school. I remember he literally came home and was like, guess what? And then he had me look up the word condom in the dictionary. Oh. I did not know what contraceptive meant, though. It's a hard one. Yeah. It's a long one. Uh, I learned through my friends and experience in college. It was piecemeal information, so some of it was accurate and some of it was not. Oh, college. College actually still was kind of a fertile learning ground. Yeah, but again, uh, not a lot of factual information. Um, This person wrote they learned in their teens, mostly through sex ed, and it was pretty factual, but not useful. Someone said pretty much from porn, I'd say when I was around 11 or 12 years old. As usual, it wasn't spot on information about sex. Still, my parents were always speaking about safe sex, thinking who is the person you're sleeping with, avoiding STDs, unwanted pregnancies, etc. Everything else looking actual information online. Yeah, that's true too. Like talking about your partner, like not just respecting yourself, but respecting partners and thinking about, you know, their sexual histories, being open about having a conversation, like asking if people have been tested recently. There shouldn't be this big like taboo about that. Yeah. Yeah. Double GTFO redeemed themselves by saying definitely Yahoo Answers. The best place to get sex ed is Yahoo Answers. (laughs) 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 I want to say 30% of the information was correct. The internet is often wrong about sex. Oh, my God. Crowdsourcing sex answers. Yeah, man. Mm. And uh, someone else said when they were about eight, it was only 60% accurate. It's not the only way to reproduce. LOL. This is true. Okay. I can, you know, split myself in two cells and clone (laughs) myself. Imagine if humans had the option to have sexual versus asexual reproduction. I think many people would be very pleased. (laughs) Yeah. But we'd also have an even larger overpopulation problem. No, we'd have to cap it. We'd have to cap it. Well, I know some (laughs) countries do that and people are not pleased with them. So that would not be a good look. But okay. Humans. They're their own demise. Basically. So Avery, the internet is for porn, as we have learned. And it turns out more people than probably is healthy learn from porn about sex and maybe that then transfers into their romantic and you know relationship lives so this teen vogue article by Brittany mcnamara from 2017 puts it straight the sad truth is that the vast majority of young people learn almost everything about sex from porn because real and accurate information about sex is not available in schools and while some porn can be realistic some is also So it just has drastic limitations in representing real sex. And it gives an inaccurate depiction of sex, which can be very misleading. Here are five reasons why porn is not great to learn about sex. Number one, usually there are no condoms. Mm -hmm. It doesn't depict safe sex practices. Yep. Number two, positions. (laughs) So porn is basically like sex on steroids, according to this uh, sex educator named Gigi Angel. It's aspirational but it's not limiting and it like hardly has any focus on cisgender female pleasure Mm -hmm. especially in hetero porn so people with vulvas are left out from experiencing or from seeing pleasure experienced yeah number three the appearance so especially for cisgender females porn is not great to depict what sex is like Mm -hmm. actually because it's mainly geared toward the male gaze Mm -hmm. which if people don't know obviously it is what it sounds like i mean you're seeing through the lens of a cisgender male right like what do dudes want to see 
exactly well stereotypical dudes so whoever's creating this thinks oh this is what dudes want to see and then dudes watch it and they think oh this is what i want to see and then females watch it and they're like oh this is what dudes like and i don't see anything for me so i'll just do that so what happens though is that <laughs> this is like astounding to me labias in porn are like small and very symmetrical apparently and right. so young girls want labiaplasty yeah and they go through this process because of what they see in porn. Yeah. Well, same with tits. I mean, like, people have these yeah. misconceptions of what boobs should look like from porn or just from models mm -hmm. in general. And it's like, nope. Wait, they don't all look like giant watermelons? <laughs> exactly. Ba-dum, ba-dum, ba-dum. <laughs> Could you imagine how painful that is? Yeah. Fuck that. So number four, noises. Mm. So while it mentioned noises as being like part of real sex, like there are noises involved, like there, <laughs> there is a little bit of slapping <laughs> going on and there's juices flowing and it can be oh a little God. bit gross if you're not into that kind of stuff. But in this case, noises can be also misleading again if you're really loud, then that doesn't always mean you're enjoying it, yep. right? And so usually female performers, porn stars, are encouraged to make loud noises that are unrealistic. They're fake. Right. And so in real life, if people aren't screamers, if you're not a screamer, then don't try to be a screamer. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a screamer, embrace that. Like, don't be shy. But just also be respectful of your neighbors. Maybe invite them over so they can, like... <laughs> Join you in your screaming. <laughs> you can create your own porn. Exactly. And number five, it's not real. It's a fantasy representation, as we've been saying all throughout this episode. And the films don't show emotional or intimate connection. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because of what we've been accustomed to in porn. Right. But if you start changing that, which some, you know, some filmmakers are, bottom line is sex is made taboo by those who make it so which means we need to normalize it and incorporate it into our lives as a healthy part of our everyday living, you know? Yeah. So leave porn for entertainment, but don't use it as a foundation. Okay, you ready for your movie reference? Is it from porn? <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be hilarious. It's just this. Oh, baby, oh, baby. Oh, I know that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is relevant. Mm -hmm. Okay, <clears throat> ready? Mm-hmm. I want you. I need you. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh, it's from my favorite movie of all fucking time. Oh, my God. 10 Things I Hate About You. Based <laughs> on The Taming of the Shrew by William Shakespeare. I fucking love that movie so much. Ugh. All I want is for a guy to, like, sing me karaoke on the bleachers, running away from security guards, and then leave me <laughs> a white Fender Stratocaster in my car talking about unrealistic expectations that movie for me 100 percent. oh my god yeah you want to hear mine i had one for you it's very easy but i just thought of it <laughs> oh switching it up yeah don't have sex you will get pregnant and die or you will get chlamydia and die exactly right? both yeah. of those i forget the name of the character it's a coach uh-huh coach, coach Kirill or whatever i don't remember at all but yep. it's mean girls it's Classic. mean girls yeah, so basically, this is the start of a conversation that we're also going to continue in the next episode, where we're going to be talking about, in general, self-respect, which is very important in terms of sex, but also in terms of how the world perceives you and you go about in the world. So, we hope that you enjoyed. We hope that you had an eye-opening experience, maybe, or other openings of things. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, wait, I forgot one more. I can't believe I forgot this one. Okay, or... A booty eye opening. I'm sorry, a booty eye? It's a pirate term referring to the anal sphincter. A booty eye? <laughs> oh, Lord. 
All right, well, on that note, I think that uh, we should probably leave you with it. Take care of your booty eyes and... Uh, uh, and keep fitta. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. And tune up your spunk trumpet. <laughs> and thanks to Comice Johnson for her wonderful illustration of our tits. Just kidding. Of our faces. And Gabrielle Beasley for her lovely, lovely intro and outro ukulele music. The internet is for porn. Hey!